Well, welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. And again, we just want to say welcome, whether you are Faith Church family or you're a first-time guest, man, we just want you to know, man, we're so privileged to have you in the house. We say it every week. Come on, we believe Jesus. He's the hope of the world, which means whoever you are, whatever your struggle, your issue, your hurt, your habit, or your heartache, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Come on, if you already know that's true, come on, make some noise for the great. Well, listen, today we're doing a standalone message before we get into next week, God at the box office. Anybody fired up about Gabbo? If you're not fired up, it's because you've never been here. Always an amazing series, a great time together. But today, I just want you to know where we're going before we get there so you'll know when we've arrived. I want you to know what my agenda is today. And the goal today of this message is to inspire and to encourage and to challenge you to be people who are committed and who are... Uh, challenge to reach the people around us. I want you to leave today with this mission that you're going to play your part to reach your world for Christ. Yes, Come on. And so that's where we're going today. That's the mission is for you to leave with that inspiration. Well, last uh, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, most of you guys know my family and I, we were like many of you on vacation and vacationing at the beach because everybody knows if you're not at the beach, it's not really a vacation. And if you go to the beach, when you come back from vacation, you need another vacation. And so our vacation, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but again, every year we go to the beach and our vacations are very predictable. We do the same thing every vacation, every day. Um, you can almost set our clock to it. And I don't, is anybody else this way? We will sleep in a little bit. We'll get up and we'll lounge around the condo for a little while. And then at some point we kind of wander down to the beach, usually in waves. We don't always go as a group. People make their way to the beach and I have like a one-hour time limit. Like, I'm not a beach person. I get there and like, I'm, I'm done pretty quick. And I'll go back, I'll go to the swimming pool. And then the rest of my family later in the afternoon, they'll come to the swimming pool. And then we all go up to the room and we get ready to go out to dinner. And then we wait in, th in a line for three and a half hours to eat average seafood. Uh, let's just be honest. And then we come back. And this is probably one thing we do unique, which maybe not all of you do, is every year we buy a jigsaw puzzle like a thousand piece, 2000 piece jigsaw puzzle. And then every night we'll do the jigsaw puzzle as a family. We'll just sit around and talk and put And our goal is to get it done before we leave. And then we hang out and then we go to bed and it's like, <laughs> it's like the next day we wake up and we do it all over again. It's groundhog's day. Anybody else like you're the same way? Well, this year I decided to be a trendsetter. We're going to break, you know, we're going to break the traditions. And so we're hanging out on the beach. I've always wanted to do this, but I've never done it until this year. You know, I always watch the people out in the ocean uh, riding the wave runners. We've done that, but I've never gone parasailing. I don't know. This is the year. And so I asked my wife, and she, she was out. <laughs> There's no way she was going. But so my son and I, we decided to go out parasailing. We get out there. If you don't know what parasailing, parasailing is the guys out there that are like in a parachute, parachute being pulled by a boat. And so we get out there. It was about $250 for my son and I. If you've never done it, it's only about 15 minutes. If you do the math, somebody's getting paid and somebody's going broke. But it was such a cool experience. We get out there and it's just my son and I. And then another group on the boat, it was two moms watching their three pretty young kids do it. And the three kids didn't scream, which means like I couldn't scream. I don't want to lose my man card. And you get out, and they hook you to the, this parachute, and they put you on the back of the boat. They take off, and they release the rope. And immediately, like, you're just lifted off the back of this boat, and it's so scary. 
because the water close to the beach is clear and blue, and I'm the, the water out there, it is black, and the devil is out there. <laughs> I didn't see him, but he's there. Like, I'm sure there's sharks and killer whales and all kinds of stuff waiting to eat us or sting us or bite us in the ocean. You can't see it, so you just get to use your imagination, which is, how many people know is worse than reality? But it was so cool because as we get up there, it's just peaceful. Like, this is all you do. Like, and I could have a conversation with my son. You could hear a pin drop up there. It was so cool. But at some point, we're looking for any kind of, any kind of sea life. Didn't see anything until we're coming back in. And there was this huge sea turtle out just a few feet under. It was so cool. The more I tell the story, the bigger the sea turtle gets. Like the first when we actually seen it was like this. Now it's like, it was as big as a car. But it was such a great experience. And here's what I find myself doing as many of you are still going on vacations. I find myself making the recommendation to people, you got to go parasailing. And nobody's asking my opinion. It was just such a great experience. I'm like, you got to go parasailing, spend the money, build the memory, make the time. I like, how many people know if you have a great experience, you recommend that experience to other people? How many people here have ever made recommendations before? Lawrenceburg, come on, wave at me if you've ever made a recommendation. We live in a recommendation society. People are always asking recommendations. We find ourselves often giving recommendations. And you don't give a recommendation if you've had no experience, and you don't give a recommendation if you've had a bad experience. But if you've had a good experience at a restaurant or a good experience at some kind of outdoor event or whatever it is, you tend to make the recommendation, right? Facebook is a, is a great place, especially making recommendations about vacations. You'll find a lot of people going to a new place, and they're doing, you know, hey, uh, I'm going to Las Vegas, which is where centers go, by the way. Anyways, that's another, that's another message. And uh, that's all right. Jesus loves them too. Anyways, wherever people are going, if they've never been there before, they'll ask, hey, we're going to Vegas for the first time. We're going to Pigeon Forge for the first time. Like, what are, what's the places we have to go? What's the things we have to do? What are the restaurants we have to eat at? And everybody makes these, come on, everybody say, recommendations. So life is a lot about making recommendations. Did you know the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did you know they are books, the purpose that they were written were to make recommendations to the reader? Did you know that? That the writers are saying, I'm recommending that Jesus can fix your problem, he can restore your home, he can heal your marriage, he can forgive your sin, he can heal your sickness. Come on, it was a recommendation to the readers. It was first century Yelp reviews. That's what the New Testament is, right? A lot of the stories that are recorded are these people that come, that they get recommendations about Jesus, so they go have an experience with Christ, and they make recommendations to other people. That's how, listen, this is so important, that's how the momentum of the ministry of Jesus grew was by people making recommendations. And so I want you just to see a couple of them, and there's a word here that's going to jump out, and we'll come back to that, but what I want you just to see is just how people got recommendations and gave recommendations. Watch this. In Mark chapter 1, here's one. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And you'll see he heals all of them. Well, how did they know to come to Jesus? How? Come on, everybody. Recommendations. Here's another one in Mark chapter 7. It says this. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. And you'll go on and you read, and Jesus did. How did they know to take the man to Jesus? Come on, everybody, how? Come on, Lawrenceburg, how? Recommendations. Here's another one, Mark chapter 8. 
It says, and when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And again, you go on and you read it and he did. You'll find story after story after story after story of broken, hurting, sick, discouraged people being brought to Jesus. And what motivated people to take them to Jesus is because other people made recommendations. And so I want to lean into this really powerful story because my goal and my hope is for you to be people that you make recommendations about your Redeemer, that you give endorsements about Emmanuel, that you start making suggestions about your Savior, about who he is and about what he can do. Come on, has anybody here experienced the goodness of God in the past? Come on, make some noise for the God we serve. So here's a question before we read the story. What would we do if we really believe Jesus could help our friends? What would it look like in your life, in our church, in our communities, in Middle Tennessee, in Northwest Alabama? What would it look like if we really had compassion towards the brokenness of our friends and we really were convinced that Jesus could help them? I mean, if you really believed, there's, man, there's nothing too big. There's no sickness too hard. There's no, no challenge too bad. What would happen if you really believed that the Savior we serve could change any situation? You know what would happen? We would be making all kinds of recommendations. Well, here's the story. Check this out. This is one of the coolest stories, I think, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the chronological stories of Jesus as far as him healing people. And watch this as it unfolds. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, news spread quickly. Everybody say that. News spread quickly that he was back home. So Jesus, he's wandering from city to city, region to region, village to village, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's letting people know who God is, that he's our heavenly father, how we can be reconnected, what the kingdom of God looks like. And we find in his, in his, uh, in his uh, travels that he ends up back home in Capernaum. And while he's there, again, it says, and news spread quickly. Insta stories were blowing up, right? It's what was trending on Facebook. Jesus is home. Jesus is back. Jesus is here. Jesus is coming. Well, why? Because people, right, they were using their connections to make recommendations. They were letting everybody know on their social feed, hey, man, Jesus is back. Why? Because the, the word was out that Jesus can change any life, and they knew broken people the same way you know broken people, and they wanted people to come to where Jesus was. And you know what happens when you make recommendations? Recommendations fill the accommodations. Watch. This is what happens. It says, soon... The house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Think about that for a minute. So as people start talking to other people, their friends and family members about the ability and the compassion of Jesus, again, they're, they have compassion on their friends and they're convinced Jesus can help, so they're, they're telling this story. And so many people turn out that the house Jesus is in is filled, and not just the house, but like you can't even get by the house because it's flooded. There are people out in the yard. There's people sitting on the lawn chairs. Some of you who have toilets on your front porch, there's someone sitting on one of those. And there's people everywhere. You can't even get close to the house. Isn't that cool? Think about that. So what causes the capacity to grow is because people are talking about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. And then it says this, while he was preaching God's word, so what Jesus is doing in the midst of this is he's preaching to SRO, standing room only. There's so many people they can't get in, and he's preaching the word. I want you to know something. Here at Faith Church, we are committed every service, every gathering to preach the word. 
because we believe the word of God is truth. We believe it's inspiring. We believe it shapes hearts and minds. We believe it changes lives. We believe that's where you find freedom is through the power of God's word. I'm, I'm glad you guys celebrate that because not everybody in our community thinks that about our church. I don't know if you know this, but being a part of a larger church, people, I'm just telling you, we get hate mail on a regular basis. We got people that don't like us. Somehow they think if we're growing, we're doing something wrong. Um, on a regular basis, people call us or send us. It's crazy. We just got a phone call probably two weeks ago. True story. And it was somebody up in the Lawrenceburg community who our church is growing there. And so the question was, hey, we heard, they, they were calling to validate the rumor. Hey, we heard in order to go to your church, you have to pay $1,000. Is that true? <laughs> Which I thought, can we do that? Now, I'll be honest, I was flattered. If it was $20, I'd have been like, dang, I'm only at 20 But I was like, $1,000? Okay. But I mean, think about that. That's the word on the street is in order to come to Faith Church, you got, you got to pay $1,000. Word on the street is that if, if you're going to be a member here, we ask for your W-2 to make sure we really know what you're making so, so we really know you're tithing. We've heard people say all kinds of crazy and ludicrous things about us. And at the end of the day, one of the things I love is people who hear about us, who don't experience us, who hear about Faith Church, and they spread these rumors that they don't preach the word, they're all about fluff, they're all about, you know, feel-good preaching, and then they get here for themselves, and they find out that's a church that really preaches the word. I want you to know here we preach the word of God because we believe in the power of the word of God. So if you're out there and you hear a rumor and this is your house, set it straight so they know. Amen? Everybody say Recommendations. So again, here is Jesus because of the recommendations. It's filled the accommodations, so full that like there's all these people around. Jesus is in the midst of it. He's preaching the word, and watch what happens. This is where the story really gets cool. It says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Why do you think these four men are carrying their paralyzed friend on a mat. Well, he's paralyzed. He can't walk, so he's being carried. And the reason they're going to where Jesus is is recommendations. They heard somebody can help our friend. Come on, I don't care what your problem is. If Jesus can cure paralysis, which he does, Jesus can cure anything in your heart, in your home, in your mind. He can do anything at any time for any run. Come on, somebody. That's the ability of our God. But here's the thing. So, so coming from the north to the south, coming from Ohio down here to south of the Mason-Dixon line, it was a challenge. I'm not there yet, but I'm moving. Some of you who've always lived where you live, you think everybody thinks and talks like you, and it's just not true. I'm not saying anybody's wrong or right. I'm just saying I thought I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> couple things. So a uh, <laughs> couple things. When, when, when you get here, one of the things that you hear all the time is people use the word y'all. In the North, you say you guys. I mean, if you're talking to a group of guys, a group of girls, a group of mixed company, I don't care what it is, it's you guys. And uh, down here in the South, you say, now I'm not at the y'all yet. <laughs> but now it feels weird, especially if there's a female present. I can't say you guys anymore. So you've won me halfway. Now I say you all. You all. Hey, what are you all up to? Hey, thinking about you. Now, if you say it quick enough, Sounds like I'm in, but I'm not. <laughs> so you guys, to you are, y'all. Here was another one. I still struggle with this one. I think we're in the north. I think we got this one. Is if you go to a restaurant and you order a carbonated beverage, not, not the alcohol kind. I don't know where some of your minds were going. 
But right in the north, you go and you say, I'd like, what would you like to drink? I'd like a pop. And then they ask you what kind of pop, and then you tell them, I want a Coke, I want a Pepsi. In the south, y'all say, and then, then you have to just say what kind of Coke you want. I want a Pepsi Coke. Well, that don't even make any sense. <laughs> Soda pop. But here's the one, and I thought I was right. The craziest thing I heard when we got here was in the north, if you're going to help somebody get from point A to point B, you take them there. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to school. I'm going to take you to the mall. I'm going to take... Here in the South, we got here and we heard this and it blew my mind. In the South, in the North, we take somebody. In the South, you carry them. I got this mental picture of like people giving piggyback rides. Like, like I'm like, you don't, you're not carrying them. The car's doing all the work. All you got to do is push the gas pedal. You're not carrying them. And here you will ride along. Not only in the South were you right, but you were biblical. Watch this again. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying. You guys were right all along. Carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. But the reason I, I want to emphasize this verse is because there's something really powerful happening that I want you to get a hold of. And you can't really see it in this verse. It makes sense to us right away, right? That there's a guy who's paralyzed. Of course, he's being carried. He can't walk. But there's something deeper happening that you have to look at a different translation. Now, if you're, you're kind of new to spiritual things, I might lose you, but I'll do the best I can to help you through this next little piece. But the original Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And if you don't read Hebrew, you read an English Bible, which means somebody had to sit down and translate Hebrew into English. And if you're reading the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, you don't read Greek, you have to read English, which means somebody had to sit down and translate Greek into English. How many people read Hebrew? Wave at me, Lawrenceburg. How many people read Greek? How many people read English? How many people don't know how to read? We'll come back to you, it's all right. So here's why. So there is no language on earth that translates easily and accurately word for word from one, from one language to another, it makes sense. That's just not how languages work. And so the job of a translator is to do the best they can to translate word for word into a different language, and it makes sense. So there are some Bibles, some translations. This is why, if you've ever wondered, like, why do we have all these translations? Here's why. Because there are some translations, the goal is to be a literal translation which means the translator's doing the best they can to keep it word for word so you feel like I'm reading God's original words. Well, the problem is, again, sometimes it's hard to read. So there are other translators. They don't do a literal translation. They do a dynamic translation, which means they don't translate word for word. They translate thought for thought. So here's this thing that was said. Here's what it looks like in English. So it's usually easier to read, but sometimes you lose a little meaning. Are you all tracking with me? In the verse I just read where these four men carried their friend, that's in a dynamic translation. It loses something that I want you to see that you can only see in a more literal translation. Here's the New King James. Watch this. Then they came to him, these four guys. Then they came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Now just watch. Did you see that these four men, they bring him to Jesus carrying? Why say both? If they're bringing him, of course they're carrying him. And if they're carrying him, of course they're bringing him. Why mention that they're bringing him and carrying him? Here's why. It's because there's something more profound than them just physically carrying this man. 
There is an emotional weight. They're bringing a man, but they're carrying his problem. They're carrying this man to Jesus, but there's an emotional burden attached to it. Now, if you're a caregiver, if you've ever stepped in and cared for a loved one who was sick or you have an elderly parent and you had to step in and you had to go in and wash them and bathe them and feed them, if you're here, you're in Lawrenceburg, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not just a person you take care of. It's a burden you bear. And what Jesus wants us to know is if we're going to be people that change the world we live in, we have to be people that are personally involved in the problems of others. We currently live in a society and a culture that is selfish and self-absorbed. It's all about me, mine, and my. What's going on in my marriage with my kids and my home and my finances and my neighborhood, and that's all we care about. I want you to know we should never be people that just evolved about me and mine. We should be evolved about culture, community, and family because Jesus was caring about the entire world, and we follow his pattern. Watch this. Watch this. So Jesus, again, Jesus was somebody who carried, who carried us. He was emotionally connected to your struggle. He was emotionally committed to your problems. And there's a, there's a doctrine, it's called, it's called vicarious atonement. Another way to say it is, um, is substitutionary atonement. What it means is this, is that we were in a pickle. We were bound for hell. We were overcome with sin. And Jesus substituted himself into our place. Come on, he tagged us out of the ring and he took the beating substitutionary atonement he got in here's the way isaiah says it looking forward to what the messiah would do isaiah 53 it says this yet it was our weaknesses i want everybody here to read it lawrence Burr, read it out loud yet it was our weaknesses that he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Come on, somebody. What I'm telling you is that Jesus carried the weight of the world on him so we could find freedom. Jesus, he didn't just stand back. Watch this. Jesus wasn't just bothered by our brokenness. He was burdened with our brokenness. He didn't just stand back and say, man, that sucks to be you. He stepped into our world. He carried our sin and our shame so we could go free. And if Jesus was willing to bear our burdens, we should be willing to bear the burdens of others. Believers bear burdens that don't belong to them. Come on, are y'all hearing me? So there's lots of people that are broken in our culture, broken in our society. The question is, are you, do you, are you personally involved enough with them? Do you take it personal, the brokenness of people, to be involved in them finding wholeness? Because these four friends said, like, I'm not just worried about my friend. I'm going to bear the weight of carrying him to Jesus. I'm going to be personally responsible for him finding freedom. And they're so persuaded if we can just get him to Jesus, Jesus can change his life. Are you personally involved in the problems of your friends? Do you take it personal that their marriage is struggling? Do you take it personal that they're bound up with addiction? Do you take it personal that right now they're lost without Christ? Do you take it personal? Are you persuaded that Jesus is the hope of the world? Come on, faith church. Are you persuaded that if you can just get your friend to Jesus, Jesus can change everything? Come on, how many people here know that's true? So watch this. So these four guys, at some point, they get a recommendation, and so they take their friend, they carry him. Again, not just physically, emotionally. They're bearing the weight and the burden of his brokenness, and they get him to Jesus. And watch this. I love this next part. Verse 4, it says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus 
because of the crowd. After the D, what do you all see? Some of you aren't sure. It's like ACT all over again. Let's try it again. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. What do you see next? I don't know about you, but man, I love that there's a comma there and not a period. The God you serve has the ability of stepping into our life where the world wants to put a period. God puts a comma. When I say that, I mean, a lot of times, man, you just feel like your story's over, like, and he got a divorce, period, and he lost his job, period, and he got cancer, period, and she right, went through this struggle, period, and, and, and she didn't have a debt, period, and like that just defines who you are. What I love about the God we serve is he puts a comment and says, your story's not done yet. I've only just begun to write it. There's more to say to, about who you are. As a young man, right, I made a lot of bad decisions, period, right? Like I was arrested, period. Like I was involved in drugs and alcohol, period. Like I was just kind of rough and tumbly, period. But Jesus didn't put a period. He put a comment and said, I'm not done with him. I'm going to call him. I'm going to anoint him. I'm going to use him. I'm going to gift him. Come on, and not just me, but you too. Is anybody thankful that God puts a comma where the world puts a period? And so watch this. This is so crazy. So you got to watch this. So these four guys are carrying their friend. He's on a mat. He can't walk. So they're physically carrying, which if you've ever tried to carry dead weight, it's heavy. And so they have to be a little exhausted. They have to be a little tired. And they're, you can see they're coming up to the house. And as they get closer to the house, they can see the crowd is spilling out into the, into the street. Now, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but when I see a crowd, I don't think I'm going to push through. I think I'll go back later. Like, if it's a crowded theater, I'll get the next showing, right? If it's a crowd or whatever, I'm like, I'm, I just don't want to fight. The, is anybody else that way? If there's, if there's a lot of people, um, a lot of cars in the road, if you got to wait, like, I'm like, I'm out. But don't you love it? These guys took the problem of their friends so personal, they could have put a period right there and said, hey, you know what, bro, we tried. But you can see yourself. You're paralyzed, but you're not blind. Like, we can't get into that. Like, what are we supposed to do? Hey, dude, like, we're just going to take you back home. But they were so not just taking his problem personal, but they were so passionate. Everybody say passionate. They could have just tapped up. They could have just given up and went home. But notice what they did. Watch this. They couldn't bring him to the crowd. Watch it. Go back for me just so I can read it says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, comma, but watch this. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Come on, these, <laughs> these guys were willing to tear a house down to get their friend to Jesus. These guys were willing to do some, do some jail time to get their friend to Jesus. They tore somebody's... Listen, you, when you come to my house, you better not even put your feet on my stuff. You better put your drink on a coaster. That's right. They tore a guy's roof off. And I don't even, he's not even mentioned in the story, but you know he was in the story like, I know you didn't just rip my roof off. <laughs> Why? Because they refused to accept the period. Sorry. There's something about us. There was lots of people in my spiritual journey. My girlfriend, who's now my wife, my mother-in-law, my youth pastor, people who who saw something in me that I didn't see, who saw a need I didn't know I had. They took my place in life personal and said, he needs to find Christ. And I didn't find Christ the first time I went to church or the second time or the third time or the 10th time or the 20th time. 
And they just were passionate to talk to me and love me, encourage me, because they were persuaded that if I could have an encounter with Christ, my life would change forever, and it has. What I'm telling you is for all of us in this room, we have to be 3P friends, a 3P friend. Are you a 3P friend? Do you take the problems of your friends personal? Or is it just, well, this tough, stinks to be you? Are you passionate? Like, I'm in it to win it. I'm with you to the end. I'm committed to help you through the process. I'm not just here when it's easy. I'm here when it's hard. And through it all, ultimately, are you persuaded? Are we persuaded? Faith Church, are we persuaded that Jesus really is the hope of the world? Or is that just something Pastor Steve says when he starts a message? Come on, how many people here really believe that Jesus is the hope of the world? Like we're persuaded he can change any life. So once this hole, now this is a big hole because you got to get a mat with a guy on it. And you can't turn the mat sideways because the dude will like, whoop. So they dig a big enough hole to lower this guy down. Watch this. And they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Who do you know that's on the mat in life? Who do you know that's ready to tap out? Who do you know that's ready to give up? Who do you know that's ready to walk out on their marriage? Who do you know who's ready to walk out on their family? Who do you know that's at their wits end? Who do you know that the water is over their head? Because these guys were three P friends, took it personal. They were passionate and they were persuaded and they got their friend right at the feet of Jesus. What would happen if we got our culture, if we got our community, if we got our friends, if we got our family members, even the ones we don't like, right at the feet of Jesus? And I love Jesus' response, right? He's sitting there, and I have to imagine, like, this is just how I see it. Like, we see it all neat and clean. I have to imagine there's, like, some rubble falling on Jesus. He's got some dust in his beard now because they tore the roof off, right? I mean, this is like, you know, this is a project. Like, they're, they're wrecking this house. And this guy comes down, ropes and pulleys, who knows, and gets right in front. And watch what Jesus says. It says, seeing their faith. Everybody say those first three words. Seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, isn't it interesting? Notice the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. Can you see somebody's faith? I mean, isn't faith invisible? Isn't faith intangible? I mean, you can't, you can't quantify it. You can't put it in a test tube. You can't, or can you? Right, We think about faith as this invisible attribute that defines our belief system. But Jesus said, no, I, I can see if there's faith in you or not. Did you know your faith is, if it's real, it's visible? It shows up in how we talk. It shows up in how we treat people. Did you know your faith shows up in how you spend your money and how you spend your time? Did you know your faith shows up in how you raise your kids and how you treat your spouse? Come on, your faith is so visible that not only Jesus can see it, anybody can see if you have faith. That's an argument that was later had in the New Testament is, is faith, is it just something we believe or is it how we behave? Is it something we just talk about? Is this just this ethereal set of values or does it really show up? And so James has this conversation helping New Testament believers like navigate this conversation that it is, while it is something that we believe, it does define how we behave. If it gets in us, it will work its way out of us. Notice what James says. Watch this in this conversation, James chapter 2, verse 11. 
He says, now someone may argue some people have faith. It's what they believe. Some people have good deeds. It's how they behave. But I say, how can, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Everyone read this. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. He said, I'll show you what I believe by how I behave. I'll show you what I think about Jesus and how I live, how I treat people and how I talk. And so when Jesus saw the faith of these men, what he said was, I know these people are persuaded. I can help their friend. You know how I know they have faith in me? Because they were willing to rip the roof off. They were willing to take a day off of work. They were willing to tote their friend. Come on, that's another Southern term. They were willing to tote their friend to me. Come on, they were willing to put up with bearing the weight and carrying the emotional weight. I know they cared about me because they carried the weight to get him in front of me. I can see your faith by how, what you think about your friends to get him in front of me. If you really believe I can help him, you'll get him to me. And if you're not making the effort, it may be because you're not persuaded on the answer. Do you really believe? Are you a 3P friend? And if you are, you're making recommendations about our Redeemer. You're making suggestions to your friends about the Savior. And so you go through the rest of the story, and I don't know if you read it, but again, this guy gets down in front of him, and notice he doesn't heal him right away because he deals with the real issue. A lot of times we go through life, and what's weighing us down, I know it doesn't feel like it, but sometimes isn't the real issue. The real problem oftentimes isn't our money. It's not your job. It's not your crazy boss. It's not your out-of-control kids. Sometimes what feels like the real problem isn't the real problem. Oftentimes, the heart of the problem is our connection with Christ. Because if your connection with Christ is strong, God's word makes it really clear that you'll have faith to endure fiery trials, things you don't think anyone should ever have to go through. God will give you grace to go through it. God will give you strength to go through it. God will give you perspective to go through it. So a lot of times, the real issue isn't what we think is the issue. It's our connection. And so Jesus looks at this guy and he said, I know you think your problem is you can't walk. The problem isn't that you can't walk. The problem is your connection with your father. So I'm going to deal with the real issue. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. And then after he forgives his sin, then he heals him and the guy gets up and walks, which means this, whatever the, you think your friend's problems are, whatever they think their problems are, the real issue is their connection with Christ. But I want you to notice in the story that Jesus is the one who does all the heavy lifting. I know it looked like the guys, I mean, they're carrying their friend. They took the day off work. They tore a roof off. I mean, Jesus just sat there, but he did all the heavy lifting. A lot of times we feel like it's our responsibility to heal people. You can't heal anybody, but you can get them a seat in front of Jesus. You can get them a seat at his feet. And if you'll do your part, God will do his part. And as a church for the last 10 years, we've been a church that we believe people are worth the price. We believe that our culture is worth the cost. Why do we add services and why are we building buildings and why are we planning campuses? Because I don't ever want anybody to show up and not have room. We want to make sure there's always room at his feet. It's not because I want to preach two and three and four services. It's not because we want to keep hiring staff and have millions of dollars in salaries and buildings. We do it because we're a church that's committed to reaching the lost. We want broken, hurting people to find Christ because we are persuaded that he's the answer. Are you persuaded?
Are you a 3P friend? Are you taking the problems of your friends personal? Are you passionate to do whatever it takes? Are you persuaded that Jesus is the answer? Next week, we're starting a brand new series. We've done it, I don't know, five years. I think this is our fifth year doing God at the Box Office. And we go above and beyond. We spend extra, but we budget money for this. We spend lots of extra hours planning for this. We be as, we're as creative as we can be. And the goal is to set an environment that you can invite your friends and know they're going to have an incredible time. And it's not all the stuff. It's not all the characters. It's not the lobby. It's not the candy. It's not the popcorn. It's not all the stuff. It's so we can get them a feet, get them a seat at his feet. And so I'm going to challenge you as you go today to be a 3P friend this week. Make recommendations about your Redeemer. Have conversations with your friends and just get them here. And if you'll do your part, our team will do our part. I'll do my part. And at the end of the day, Jesus will do all the heavy lifting. And next week, for the next four weeks, we're going to crowd heaven. Every year what we've done is we've done with, uh, with, with God at the box office, we picked a couple random movies early and then the last couple years we did like Disney edition. And We are so committed. I'm so committed. This year we're doing the musical edition and I hate musicals. I got, but there are messages in culture that communicate the gospel and we will leverage whatever it takes. We will do whatever it takes short of sin to win people to Jesus. If that's your heart, then let's partner together and let's crowd heaven. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we're so quick to make recommendations about restaurants and parasailing and vacation spots. God, I pray, Lord, make it easy. Put a burden on our heart to be quick to make a recommendation about the only person that really matters. Lord, I pray this week in Lawrenceburg and Florence for all of our Faith Church family that we'll find ourselves in conversations. We'll find ourselves in the workplace, on campus. We'll find ourselves in the grocery store. And God, you'll open the opportunity for us to make the recommendation. And Lord, we pray, God, as you help us to do our part, Lord, we have every confidence you'll do your part. And God, over the next several weeks and the months and years to come, God, we're going to crowd heaven as we see lives change for the glory of Jesus. And Father, we thank you in advance for what's going to happen. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys.